Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, November 17th. We are here live. I'm going to open the phone lines right now. I don't have a lot. Well, calls are already starting to come in. I guess that's a good thing. Um, I don't have a lot today, so I'm going to get right to the calls. In fact, we're going to do something a little different today. Let's have a little bit of fun with the show today. I feel like I haven't had a day off in about a month, Um, and that may be true. I traveled on the weekend. I worked on the weekend. Uh, We've got a lot of projects going on, all good stuff, but I realized I need a little break. So I'm looking forward to taking this weekend off. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the show tomorrow yet. We'll let you know probably before this show ends today. But today, let's do something just a little different, not a free-for-all. We'll put a little different spin on it. Today is Ask Me Anything. And I don't, you can ask the usual stuff as always, because you can always ask those kind of things. So trucks, money, fuel, mileage, health, all that stuff goes. Um, But ask me something that nobody ever asks me. Ask me about any topic you want. If I don't have an answer, I'll make one up and then I'll actually go research it if it's interesting uh, and get back to you or post something. So let's have a little bit of fun. Let's do something a little different today. Ask me about any topic you want, anything you've wondered about. I do a lot of reading. I usually have an opinion or an answer on a lot of different things. You can even ask me about personal stuff if you want or about our business or my history or hobbies or whatever you want. Let's just have a little bit of fun with it. Um, I'm getting to that point where I'm just starting to feel a little burnout. I need to take a break from some things. I have taken a break from politics uh, almost completely in the last couple of weeks. Haven't watched any news. I scroll a couple headlines just to kind of stay with uh, what's going on. And I'm actually pretty happy about it. It, it, But what I did was I filled in all that time with more work and more research. So um, I'm looking forward to just taking a a break this weekend uh, and getting away from a lot of work. So let's jump right in and get to the phone calls. Oh, also this morning, um, I did something different. It should show up on the app sometime today, I think. I'm going to try to do more of this. One of the things that's happening on the show, which I absolutely love, is calls starting are starting to come in immediately and they keep coming. Um, That's awesome. Our our tribe is growing again. People are finding us again. We're getting new listeners uh, and we haven't even started to market yet. So that's a a great sign. Um, This week I did a show that was over three and a half hours long with no breaks. Yesterday was close to three, I think. It's becoming pretty common to go the entire three hours um, with questions the whole time and calls the whole time, and I love that. But it also means that I won't spend as much time on an open where I cover a lot of different topics. I'm going to try, I did it this morning, um, to do a roundup in the morning of, of what I was reading, what caught my attention, Um, This morning, it was all health-related. It won't be like that every day. There's all kinds of things I I read when I'm doing my show prep. It was just this morning that 
there were some big headlines that hit me about health, and I didn't want to save them till next Wednesday because what typically happens is I have so many notes and so many things I want to talk about, and then I just don't have enough time because I want to get to the calls. And I try to post those things and comment on them a little bit, but I, I would much rather talk than write. So uh, I did a roundup this morning. I recorded it. It should show up on the app today. I may try to work my schedule around a little bit so I can do, oh, you know, maybe a 15 to 30 minute round up every morning. Uh, I'm already making the notes anyway, so only takes me a little bit of time to throw on the headphones and just talk about it. So watch for that on the app today and uh, maybe more coming here soon. Let's get started with the calls. Let's go to Illinois. Brandon, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How do you do? I'm doing wonderful this morning. What's on your mind? Well, I'm sorry. I don't have anything crazy for you, but I got a good old oil sample for you. Hey, hey, Brandon, not only do you not have anything interesting, yeah. your oil sample's about as boring as it could get. Good. Yeah. I, well, I thought so, but I thought I would call the man to confirm that. I, I'm I'm wondering if you're trying to to uh, to spoof me here. Am I being punked? Did you pour this oil right out of a bottle and send it to the lab? Well, it does only have sixteen thousand miles on it. It's conventional. I've always been beaten in my head by the guys I run with. Oh, every 5,000 miles that oil is going to blow your engine up or something. So, uh, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll take the next one out a lot further. I don't have an OPS right now, but so, I was curious on that iron number. 21 is, is well, clearly not bad. Well, well, hold on. Let, let's talk about a couple things first. Tell me a little bit about this truck. It looks like it's a 12-7 Detroit. It's got almost a million miles on it. Tell me about the history of this thing. How long have you owned yes, it? Sir. Well, I bought it in May off of a guy that I pull for, and uh, when my I, I had a W nine hundred and I uh, had a Detroit in it, kind of trying to fell me in love with the Detroit, and he had this. It's a twenty twelve Western Star Glider forty nine hundred uh, sixty series thirteen speed. And uh, way too high rear end, 355s, but I just drive slow. And uh, he, he'd always change the oil every 5,000 miles, so I bought it back in May, paid too much money for it. Hopefully it lasts me a few, a few years. Was uh, Thought I'd better get an oil sample in, and uh, I, was, I was pleased with the results. Hey, the, uh, let me tell you, I am not pleased with, well, I am pleased with the results. I'm kind of shocked with the results. You should, I think what you should do, um, we need to memorialize this engine. I think you should pull it out and chrome it and stick it in your living room. I'm not opposed to it. It's a factory reman, Detroit factory reman, but she's still pretty. I will tell you, I don't believe I've ever seen any engine at a million miles produce an oil sample this clean. Wow. Well, I guess that's a good sign. It's a really good sign. And 16,000 miles. I mean, we'd, we'd like to see 25,000, and you should absolutely, even without a bypass filter, extend your drains out to 25,000. 
this if, if you threw this oil away, it, this was really, really serviceable oil. Um, are you using Catalyst? I do randomly. I, okay. I can't say that that's... I've experimented with it, and with this thing, I've been experimenting with the Winterblend EDT right now. And uh, the Catalyst, I mean, I like it. I, I would definitely run it every day if it was an emissions engine, but I didn't really notice any difference. So I still yeah. got probably half a gallon, and sometimes I'll throw it in there, but not, that, not consistently. It has had some Catalyst in it on that oil change. Yeah, that that's... Um I, I I think the way you're using Catalyst or not using Catalyst is just fine. I don't think this engine needs it. It's burning so clean, no fuel dilution, no real soot to speak of, virtually no wear metals. Twenty one on iron with an with an engine with you know almost a million miles is nothing to worry about. We we expect to start to see some metals at this time. The rest of your metals are really really low. Uh, your silicon's only at four. The only number here that I, I, I'm a little confused about, who put the oil in the truck? Did you? When when the oil was changed, who? Yes. Yep. So you know you poured it out of a yep, jug I did. And, it, and it was 1540 Delvac. Yes. Yep. Your viscosity's low. Yeah. Which is weird. That's what I thought that was a little, that should be. 14, 14 right. and a half, 15, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and there's no fuel dilution, so it's not fuel dilution. You know, I, I don't know if we're starting to see quality control issues on oil because I, I'm starting to notice more odd readings like this that there's no real reason why this oil would be at 12 and a half viscosity. They, the lab didn't flag it at all, so you're still within range. It just seems a little odd, but the rest of the oil sample is really, really clean. Whoever built this engine did a hell of a job. Who's ever been driving it, taking care of it for a million miles, did a hell of a job. And you have plenty. What's your oil consumption like on this? Um, I put zero on that sample, and then I got to thinking... I'm pretty sure I did dump like half a gallon in that. Okay. So if, if, if you're putting a half a gallon. One day and I forgot to write in my book. Yeah, if you're putting a half a gallon in in a 16,000-mile oil sample, that's just about like new. I mean, it, you use that much on an engine right after you rebuild it. I know our rings are getting better, but that that's a really good sign at a million miles. Barring some weird, catastrophic, you know, metal fatigue failure that we can never see coming, this engine has a lot of life left in it. Oh, man, that, that uh, music's my ears. Yeah, this is, a, this is a great sample. Good, good. What kind well, of fuel like economy I'm, I'm getting on that to a truck? Celebrity. It's uh, Oh, I can get seven if I'm pulling the tank. I feel like True. it ought to be better. I pull a lot out of Corey's. And so I, I was going to order fleet, uh, the air filters. Okay. And I heard you talking here a couple weeks ago about how you got to clean them a lot if you're in dirty environments. And I would definitely say my application is I'm 50% pulling a tank locally and the other 50% pulling 
uh, aggregates out of a quarry. So yeah, it's, I would definitely call it dirty environment. That so fi- I just put paper filters back in it. 50% of the time in a dirty environment is a dirty environment. Yeah, I don't think I would run fleet air filters in that environment either. Um, the, the paper filters in a really dirty environment. Now, one of the things you might want to watch on your paper filter, whatever you're doing is working, by the way, because you only have four parts per million of silicon. That's a really good sign. So whatever cycle you're using to replace those uh, paper filters, I would stick with. Um, one of the things people don't realize is, well, that, that's when, when we are in a dirty environment, the longer you leave a paper filter in, the better it filters. So changing a paper filter too okay. often in a really dirty environment is actually a bad idea. Now, as that filter clogs, well, I, you I do get my old one. Yeah, you do get more air restriction, which will you know hurt us a little bit on fuel economy. And how but much is too much? How much is too much dirt? I've got. A- I've got an air filter restriction gauge, and it was getting up around 10, 15 on hard pull. So I thought, hey, I'll throw some new filters in it. Well, these new filters on a hard pull, I get up around 8 or 9. So I thought, well, shit, I'm going to keep my old filters. Yeah, I, I that's probably, if, if you're getting 8 or 9 right off the bat, then 15 is probably a good place to change. Okay. So I, I would just stick with what you're doing because it's working. Cool. All righty. Well, thank you. Anything else today? Well, I think that'll be it. I appreciate the, appreciate your time, sir, and all your, all your guidance. I've been following you for about two years now. I've lost 60 pounds, and I feel better than I ever have. Congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you. All right. All right, call in again. I want to hear back from you. Let's go to Ohio. Kim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Another good show. Hey, Mike. First, I got to say that I ordered a T-shirt. Okay. Uh, Biden, Fetterman, 2024. It's a (laughs) no-brainer. Oh, I, need I know, it. I know. I, you said you I, didn't want to go politics. I, no, that's okay. Today I yeah. said anything goes. I mean, if somebody wants to ask me about politics today, that's fine. Um, that that yep. is uh, that was a good laugh this morning. That. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I got another one. Here's the one problem for you. with that shirt, though. Okay, here's there is a problem with that shirt. Yeah, the people that are likely to vote for those two when they see that shirt, they're not going to get it. No, they're not. They're going to think, you know, yeah, you know what they're going to think. They're going to think you're, you're their new best friend. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. What's on your mind today? Well, you're probably going to laugh at this too. Um, Okay, I've had a full beard, probably 10 years or so. So my kids, my grandkids, not really have ever seen me without a beard. Well, I listened to you and Dr. Jack last night, which was an awesome show. I love the being able to listen to your program overnight. This is great. I'll bet. Yeah, we're, so pre- we're pretty taping, happy with all the new stuff, You guys were talking too. about... The mouth taping, yeah. Yep, you're talking... Yeah. 
Well, I shaved my beard. I went to the truck stop, took a shower, shaved, clean, bare naked face. And uh, it's cold outside. <laughs> Holy cow, I didn't realize, you know. Well, I Gee can, I, I can attest really to, protect you a lot. to that. If you have no hair on the top of your head, it's really cold when you go outside. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, in Canada, they do hair freezing competitions. And I'm like, oh, man, Kevin's going to love this, but you can't get in. The, <laughs> I, can't I mean, com- you would be able to get I, into the water and I, freeze. Yeah, yeah but, but I can't compete. Yeah. I'm handicapped. <laughs> right. I'm follic- so I got all clean shaven. Uh, uh, everything's I'm follically good. challenged. That's it. Hey, I didn't and think I about the... Tape. Hold on. I didn't think about the mouth yeah. taping thing that having a beard or a mustache would interfere with that, wouldn't it? Yeah. I put it on first and I was still able to breathe and I'm like, well, this well, isn't going to do me any good. Because huh. I've slept on my stomach ever since I was a little kid. I just had a fear when I was a kid because... My little brother died of SIDS, and ah. they said he was sleeping on his back. And well, it, I was scared of sleeping on my back for the longest time, and it just became a habit. I, I'm a, or, you I'm know, a, not sleeping on my back, sleeping yeah, on my stomach. I, I'm a stomach sleeper. I don't know why. I, I don't remember when it started yep. or why I do it, but I can't sleep on my back at all. And my nope. side, sometimes either side, I might be able to fall asleep if I'm really tired. But most of the time, if I'm laying on my side and I'm almost ready to fall asleep, I just tend to roll over on my stomach. And that's the way I sleep most of the night. Yep, that's me too. I think it goes also part goes back to wrestling in high school. You don't ever want to be on your back. That's probably there's there's my answer from now on. You just gave me my answer. Now I know why I sleep That's on my what stomach. Is. What's the, um, is it jujitsu? One of the martial arts, um, it, you actually fight off your back. I mean, that's their standard position. They want to be on their back when they're on the ground. I don't, I think it might be jujitsu, oh, but I'm I not sure. No um, in mixed martial arts, you see a lot of guys that, that, use that style and you know where they came from because in in mixed martial arts you get a lot of wrestlers you get boxers you get kickboxers you get the the martial arts people but you can watch them and know what their what their traditional sport was when i was coaching high school we had a, a kid who moved in from puerto rico and whatever that style is if it's jujitsu that's what he had been practicing his whole life and he could have been such an awesome wrestler, but I spent all, every day trying to keep that kid off his back. That he he just constantly wanted to go to his back, and that's bad enough in yeah. in you know collegiate. But you look at freestyle and Greco. All you have to do is expose your back, and points get get scored. I mean, the kid got killed in freestyle. Um, we finally got him to the point by the end of the season, he was starting to win in collegiate, but he, it was just a really hard habit to break. You know, talking about wrestling, we had this sign up on our, up on the, the ceiling of our gym, right above the center mat. <laughs> if you can read this, you're about to be pinned. You're Have in you seen trouble. Those? Yeah. 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 If you yep. can read this, you're exactly. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, I did the taping thing and I propped myself up so I'm on my back. 
and I, I do fall asleep. And I'm not sure how long I was sleeping, but I woke up terrified. It felt like somebody was strangling me. And I just wanted to know if any of the other tribe members, because this is the first time, you know, I hadn't practiced during the day just to tape my mouth shut. I just did it last night and <laughs> woke up and I literally was afraid. Well, that's that's interesting. Um I've never been tested for sleep apnea. I don't want to be tested for sleep apnea, but I have a feeling. Right, me either. It, it, I don't want to get in the system. Yeah. If I were tested and I slept on my back or even just fell asleep on my back, I may have it. And I'm nowhere near overweight, so that's not an issue. Uh, but if I do fall asleep on my back and it, it will happen occasionally, you know, I'll be reading and I'll just get really tired and kind of set the book down and fall asleep. I will wake up with what feels like a panic attack. And and I, I have to assume oh, yeah. it's it's because I stopped breathing or something. I, I will wake up and I am in full fight or flight mode. My heart is racing. Um, <laughs> it is very uncomfortable. But I, 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 oh. I it doesn't feel like I can't breathe at that moment. But I, I have to assume that's what's happening um, when that occurs. Yep. So that's what it was. So I'm, I'm going to, now that my face, I'm just going to drive around with tape on my mouth. <laughs> there you just go. To see, just <laughs> kind of to get, <laughs> kind of get used to it. Um, well, it, I, you know, I don't realize how, how much I was breathing with my mouth open until you were, you, you guys started talking about it. it, it so it, now it, I make it a point to kind of, when I'm driving, clench yeah. my teeth. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible habit. We we really breathe very very poorly, and it happens because we're in the fight or flight mode, and then it enhances the fight or flight mode. So it's a it's a vicious circle. When you're in that kind of fight or flight mode, your body wants more oxygen, and a lot of us, yep. and I'm one of them. I have very narrow um, sinuses and, and nostrils it's really hard for me to get a lot of air in through my nostrils. So when you end up in fight or flight mode and your body wants more air, it starts breathing through your mouth. And again, that, that's a survival mechanism and it should only happen very rarely, but we walk around all day in fight or flight mode and we walk around all day breathing shallow through our mouth. And then that, that perpetuates the fight or flight mode. One of the ways to get out of it is to close your mouth and start deep breathing through your nose and, and do some Wim Hof breathing through your nose or some of the other breathing methods to get your body back out of that. So it's this self-perpetuating cycle, and then it becomes just that's how we normally breathe. And it, it's really kind of amazing how many things we can improve just by breathing better. I just thought of another um, good use of this mouth taping thing, though. I, I, I live in Oregon. Yeah, well, I live in Oregon, and you know what my politics are like. I should probably do it when I go to parties or when I'm around any of my neighbors. I should probably just tape my mouth. It would be better. That's good. All right. Yep. So. Well, when Lauren was talking, not Laura, Lauren. <laughs> right. But when she was talking, she was saying... Um, what is it? When you breathe through your nose, you're getting nitrous oxide. 
Uh, the the well, act of breathing through your nose does increase nitric oxide. Nitrous oxide is what makes your car go really fast. <laughs> right. So nitric oxide. Yep. Yeah, nitric oxide is what expands our blood vessels and our capillaries so our blood flows easier, we have more energy. But yeah, breathing through your nose does increase nitric oxide. And, and it's probably just See, because I, that's, I that's, so that's the normal way. We, you know, it's, it's probably only bringing us to what our normal nitric oxide levels should be because we're breathing the way we were meant to breathe. It's not some, you know, biohack or anything. It's that's how we were supposed to breathe. And that probably brings your, your nitric oxide levels to where they should be. And if we did all these things right, and our diet was really, really clean, we might not need supplements to increase nitric oxide. Yeah, absolutely. So you just, just keep listening and you're going to learn little tidbits. You know, the other night I was listening and you guys were talking and it was just real quick. I've been drinking distilled water. Oh, probably bad idea. Eight or 10 years. <laughs> yeah, bad idea. Yeah, but I used to haul... I used to haul water out of Michigan, and they bring in fluoride by the tanker load. Oh, I and know. And they put it in the water, even though it's not I on know. the load. It's, it, and I know that, and I don't have any proof that it's there other than knowing these tankers pull in with fluoride. Oh, no, there's proof. If you so, go to your uh, – somewhere in your government documents, the municipal – that they will oh, tell yeah, you but what – not on the bottle. Oh, no, not on the bottle. No, but if you wonder what's in your tap water, whether it's fluoride, how much chlorination they're doing, you can find all that data. They're, they're required to have that. And um, I'm really fortunate where I live. Very, very little chlorination. There's always going to be some because they do have to sanitize the water. Yeah. Very little. Um, and, we live out in the country. We have a well. Yeah, and no fluoride. So um, I am, right. and I've tested our the water right out of our tap here. It's really clean. Um, when we drink the water, it does go through a filter first. But I, I, you know, I have a bunch of bottled water for emergencies. But we, I drink tap water all day long. I mean, we make our coffee with tap water. We drink yeah. tap water. We make our uh, cardio miracle with tap water because it's it's cleaner than most bottled water. Right. Yep. Well, see, a crazy thing in trucking, I would haul from northern Michigan water, bottled water, to Indianapolis, and then I would go to Indianapolis, pick up bottled water right from the, right from the city. I mean, Nestle water takes it right out of the city, and then bring that back to Michigan. <laughs> Why not just take the Michigan water, bring it to Grand Rapids, and leave the Indianapolis it's just crazy things in trucking you never can wrap your head around. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you learn a lot in trucking. I, that was one of the most fascinating things for me when I started driving, you know, really young, 22. And I was doing multiple stops a day, 20 to 30 stops, deliver some, pick up some. You got into, you know, factories and businesses that, you know, and I was always curious. So, um, you know, if I was on the dock and I had a little bit of time, I had a habit of just start starting to wander through the building 
And if you carry some paperwork and you walk with purpose and look like you're supposed to be there, nobody ever says anything. And when they do, then I just, well, I, I was looking well, for the bathroom. I, I, yeah. I, I, so I, I wandered around all kinds of places and it's, yep. it's really interesting what goes on. That's it. Well, Hey, I'll let you get to the next call and, uh, I really appreciate you being out there, Kevin. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, Oh, let, hey, one oh, more thing. Sure. It almost sounded, it, it almost sounded like Dr. Jack was interested in having his own, uh, podcast or part we, of your program there. We're going to work on him. So we're, we're going to set up a kind of a new infrastructure where the best, you know, we have a lot of people out there that do podcasts. We have a lot of, you know, people on the radio. Um, Most of them depend on guests to really have the good information. And, you know, a typical radio show, even mine when I was on Sirius with all the commercials, you get a guest on, you're trying to get as much good information out out, out of them as you can. You keep running into commercials. There's no flow. And the people who should be doing the shows instead of being guests are the people who have all of the really good information, except they're too busy doing what they do every day. So we're trying to build an infrastructure where we have more of that content. So by getting rid of the commercials, it's easier to get more content in a shorter period of time without all the interruptions. Um, Friday's show, I just got um, my note. Both John and Joel are good for tomorrow. Now, there's a good example. John and Joel have full-time jobs. They, they're running businesses. They're really busy people. They're never going to be able to do a daily talk show. But if they could, we would get so much good information from them. So we're trying to build this infrastructure where the people with really good information are on often, but they don't have to stick to any kind of a schedule because that would just wipe out the whole idea. They, they just wouldn't be able to commit that kind of time. So like John and Joel on Fridays, if they can show up, great. If not, I'll do the show. If one of them shows up, that's fantastic. Um, we're working on people yep. like Dr. Wolfson to say, look, what if we made this super easy for you? What if we set you up with all the equipment, all the infrastructure, and you have no schedule because everything can get recorded and people can listen to it whenever they want. So if you have an hour in the morning or 15 minutes and you think of an idea that, you know, you want to get across to people, hit the button, record it, and you're done. And if you have team members and you can't do it and they want to do it, let them do it. So, I mean, what's the harm here? So that's really kind of well, the Dr. model Jack we're trying has, to build. He already does this with, uh, he's got a hundred year heart program and he has, it's not really a podcast. It's a video that you can watch. Yeah. You, exactly. you log into the video, you know, he could tie it into yeah. that. That would be great. So you know, the tribe would hear what he's telling the rest of us. Exactly. And, you know, people like, um, well, even Pittsburgh power. I mean, the fact that they pull three people, out of their workday, uh, you know, every Tuesday for a couple hours, um, that's a big commitment. I mean, when, when you're running a business to pull, you know, your top three people off working and, and making revenue to come on the air and answer questions, but we also know there's a big benefit to that. 
they, eventually they'll get more revenue from that. that. That's why it's just a win-win for everybody if we can build that infrastructure. And traditional radio never even got close to anything like that. So we're we're really excited well, about traditional what radio, we're building here. Like you said, traditional radio every 15 minutes, but some of these hosts that you listen to on XM, they're off peddling their own stuff. So you really only get maybe three or four minutes of content and the rest of it, they're peddling what they need to, and then they've got to take their hard break. So, I, wow. You don't know if you're listening to an infomercial uh, for four hours or you're listening to some kind of program. Yeah, like this morning. Like I said, I, I just had so many headlines that, you know, they all kind of fit together, and I wanted to talk about them. I started to write it, and I just hate writing. Um, I don't type well. I've tried to use, you know, voice to text and for some, even though that technology has gotten way better, as much as I like to talk, I don't like to talk when it's trying to transcribe it into text. Now, going forward, our software is going to do that naturally. So I'll just come on the air. I'll talk like I am right now. And our software is going to transcribe all of our shows. So the text will be available. Um, we're also having some really, really cool search features that instead of reading through the text, our software will transcribe all the text, index it, and we can use keywords then. So we'll be able to put up links in the app, you know, for, say, oil samples. And our software, every time the word oil sample is used, will tag that. And then when you click on it, you'll go right to the audio and be able to listen. So those are some of the things we've got in the works. And, you know, having all this freedom to do whatever we want with the shows, with the platform, with the content, with the software is, it's exciting. But it's also why um, most of us in the company right now are working way too hard. Um, I could use a break. you You weren't allowed to take any of the XM stuff with you, right? Because it no. would be kind of fun just because no. I drive all night to, like, start all over. Yeah. You know, um, listen to the beginning of the keto, just go all the way through to yeah, where we you are know, now. What, what happened with um, the content and why we shut down our podcast network, which we had started back up several years ago. And, and we were bringing in hosts and, you know, we had Larry Winget doing one. And what happened was yep. I, I had for Mike years... Kevin. Yeah, for years I had wanted that better time slot. I was sick of being on weekends and midnights. The reason they wouldn't do it was because I would not agree to do live reads. I will not read a commercial in my voice. I'm not going to do it. And and they said, well, we make way too much revenue during those prime hours from live reads. And if you're not going to do live reads, you're never going to get those slots. That's what they told me. One of our program directors, you've heard me talk about Bruce Williams, and I, he was kind of my inspiration. I, I continue his open now as a tribute to him. Um, I was talking to one of our, we got a new program director, and he called me and he said, you know, how are things going and what would you like to see happen? And I said, well, I'd really like to get better hours. I've been trying to get it for years, and I think I deserve it. And he said, well, there's this yep. issue with live reads. Why won't you do them? And I said, it'd be, it would ruin my show. I said, people call me and ask me for specific advice about specific products. And if I'm reading all these commercials, 
people are going to be really confused. And I said, I can promise you what's going to happen. The, the, the companies I talk about now and partner with, let's say it's Michelin on tires or whatever, Bridgestone is going to buy a commercial in this sot to get me to read it. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yep. And I, they, they well, already like ran. The Southern Fleet. Yeah. So I said. What was I, that? What was that view, that oil filter from the South? Every time you would talk about OPS, you would have the guy on there, the founder of OPS. Gulf and Coast. every time. Right. Gulf Coast. Yeah. Gulf Coast would have a of commercial. Of course. That when I was doing taxes. Yep. And I was answering tax questions on the air, and that was a big part of our revenue and our business. All the other trucking tax preparers started running commercials during my show. Yeah. So I said, there's uh, no talk way. Talk about the early days. I'm ever going to do live reads. And now, it, this, we had already had a conversation, and this guy told me, and I had mentioned Bruce Williams, and he said, you know, I, I worked with Bruce Williams way back when. So now he's talking about this live read, and he said, I just don't understand why you won't do them. And I said, I'm not doing them. He said, I've never worked with a radio personality who won't do live reads. And I said, that's bullshit. You told me you worked with Bruce Williams. He didn't do them. And (laughs) at at, at a time in his career, he started doing them, but it was companies he picked and partnered with. Not just any random right. advertiser that wanted to buy a spot and buy a live read. So part of th- that was the negotiation. I, and finally, I got them to give that up and put me in that time slot anyway. But they required that they owned all the content. I couldn't do anything with my shows that were recorded on series. And I had to drop my podcast. So in those early years, we're listening to the weekend show, the Saturday, the four hours, or the Sunday, and all of a sudden, we're listening to you, and then all the NFL breaks in, right. Cincinnati Bengals. What the hell? We're yeah. listening to you. So did you fill those four hours with, you're talking to yourself, essentially? Yes. Or did they just tell you, hey, we're breaking in with no. the NFL? No. I, I was still on the air. I was still doing the show. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the worst yeah, one. Yeah, but none of us could hear you. So here's the thing. When this first started, I was on um, Sirius NXM when they were still kind of separate. And they also had started yep. the internet stream. So the one day I go to go live, and I'm, um, I used to have to call the people in the control room, and we have to synchronize our clocks and you know, get all set for the show. And as I'm getting ready to go on the air, and this is early, early, like my first or second year on the air. And well, it must have been right after Sirius took over, which is probably my second year on the air. So I'm getting ready to go on the air. And they said, oh, by the way, um, there are football games playing right now and you are not live anywhere on the radio. And I said, well, why would I go on the air then? And they're like, well, when the show's exactly. end, you just need to be there because they're in overtime. We're not sure when they're going to end. I said, well, how hard would this be for you to send me a text or call me and say the game's almost over? Are you ready to go? And they said, well, you have to go live because of the internet stream. And this is in the early, early days of the internet stream. Nobody listened to it. And I said, look, I can go on and talk. 
but I wasn't really prepared to talk for three hours. I could probably make shit up, but this is a call-in talk show. If I don't have anybody listening, nobody's going to be calling. And we fought about that forever, but if if I was preempted, I still had to do the show. Crazy. So, okay, would you be able to play those on... Well, you don't have them at all. No, no, I don't have like any. The best of. I don't have any content from those days at all. I stopped recording it because there was just no point in it. I wasn't allowed to use it. Oh yeah. All right. Well, hey, this has been fun. I'll let you get to the next guy and all right. Keep on keeping on. Get, report back on your mouth. I'll see if I can send you that T-shirt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. Talk <laughs> to you again soon. Let's go to North Carolina. Danny, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. What's on your mind today? Um, well, I added something here because you were talking about sleep, but, um, you know, I'd, I have an issue with snoring if I lay on my back. Pretty but common. I move around so much at night. Yeah. I, I don't lay in one. If I'm, if I go to bed one way, i I mean, I, I'll wake up sometimes tangled up with the blankets. So, right. But you know what I found that helps <clears throat> talking about breathing through your nose, the, uh, breathe right nose strips. Yeah. That's you a good ever point. Try them? I have. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done that for years. I should probably go back to that because I, like I said, I have really narrow nostrils and sinuses. So it's really hard for me to get a lot of air in through my nose and those do help. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you, you, you can feel it. You can breathe a lot better. And maybe if you do that with the mouth taping there, that would uh, I, be a big uh, benefit. I may try that. The, the two combined, boy, I'd have to shave. It's been a long time since I've been completely bare faced too. I trim mine really close a lot of times, but, um, Man, it's been a long, well, long time since I've shaved it all off. Well, all right. Um, I've been debating on this here, and I've had my own DOT number since late 90s. Okay. And it's been inactive since, I think, 08. Now, let me, and, let, let me just clarify. You you only had a DOT number, or you had a DOT and an MC number? I had both. Okay. So you had authority, but it's been inactive. Correct. The, and the reason I ask that is because and it is possible to just go get a DOT number, and there's there's not much to that process at all. And I think we were having people do that for a while if they were trying to file their own fuel tax, like if their carrier was doing it, but they had a lousy system. I can't remember if that was a requirement for some You don't reason. need, no, not, well, at least in North Carolina, because I'm leased to a carrier right now. I run under their DOT number, but I have my own base plate and my own uh, IFTA. Okay. There, it, it seemed to me like the, there was a time when we were recommending getting a DOT number only, but I can't remember why we would have done that. So you had both, so but it's been an act. Really All right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I had my own authority. I had a small fleet, 
I did, uh, you know, the whole, that was way back when, uh, when I lived in Texas. Well, I, I've been debating on it, and here a couple of months ago, I wanted to go in and do a name change because I was running under a different name, and, of course, I was living in Texas. I wanted to bring it over here to North Carolina. I actually got it all done. Everything has been changed. A DOT number. It's still inactive. Um, I went and got an, an insurance quote, and I used a guy that my buddy uses that he's used forever. And it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Uh, one truck and trailer was about $12,000. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, that, that's, no, that's pretty no. reasonable and in today's world. Well, the nice thing I like about this guy, this, this company, it's uh, Great West. Oh, yeah. And you can actually, you can run a second truck, but they don't charge. It was like an extra five grand a year. Okay. So, you, could, you know, it's one driver, two trucks. Well, I like having, you know, I run older stuff. And I like having a backup truck. Yeah. It's a great idea. One week in the shop to get even just basic work. You know, if you're waiting, especially now, you're waiting on parts. Yeah. Uh, you can't get a truck in for three or four days. Heck, I can jump in the other truck and go make that five grand in a week. You know, the almost the entire so, time I was leased to FedEx and RPS, I kept a spare truck. And, and the way I did it was just when I went to buy a new truck rather than trade one in, I just kept my oldest truck. It was already paid for. You know, I knew it. It was well-maintained, got good fuel economy. So I just parked it and, and, you know, had a spare most of the time. Yeah. And so that's, I kind of wish I'd, if I'd have known the way the things were going to go the last two years with the rates and all that, I'd have went and done it two years ago, but. Now we're at the, now let me just say, I survived 2008. Was that 2008 when yeah. we kind of had a really bad? Yeah. Right. I made it through then, no problem. So it, I'm just wondering, nobody knows how long are we going to be? Because they're saying diesel next year is still... It's not even at the lowest. It's not going to get under four dollars a gallon. Uh, I, I, with the last and article I read, said it's probably not going to go under five dollars a gallon. Well, that's the rest of the year. They're saying next year. No, this was well, a prediction for twenty twenty three. They said twenty twenty three. They do not expect diesel prices to go below five dollars a gallon. Now, here's the thing: those predictions are based on what we know right now but if if something happens that and lots of things can happen to change oil prices then those predictions go right out the window i mean we're making an assumption that nothing much is going to change and there are all kinds of things that are going to change we just don't see them coming so we could end up with eight dollar a gallon fuel or it's possible we could end up with two dollar a gallon fuel it's happened in the past yeah, I know. It's that's the thing and you know, rates are they're coming down. They're I'm 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 doing okay. I mean, you know, everything I got's paid for, so um 
you know, fuel's my biggest thing. I'm trying to stay as close to, you know, the more the better, obviously. You get, depending on where you run, I, I'm trying to stay in the southeast and, you know, short stuff. And if I can manage 1,200 a, a day revenue, I mean, I can live, uh, what is that, uh, six, five, sixty two hundred dollars Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, so... So we're yeah, and I you know I don't I don't need I don't have a big truck payment or insurance and all that, so I can handle the two dollar mile freight even though guys are screaming. But you know you get three dollar mile and then you get two dollar so, mile and average out two and a quarter. So here's you the know, way I'm, it, I can handle this. Here's but, the way I would look at this. I, I would not make this a financial decision. I don't think you need to. I think you would be fine financially, whether you stay doing exactly what you're doing right now, or you go get your own authority and run yourself. You know how to do it. You understand rates and costs and all that. I don't see this as a financial decision, and I think that's what you're trying to make it. I would just drop the numbers. And you know me, I'm a numbers guy. But you, you, you've got your numbers. I know that. You understand oh, yeah. them. And, and it, so it's not a numbers decision for you. This is a lifestyle decision. Forget the numbers and ask yourself, do I, am I really as happy as I could be every day doing what I'm doing now? Or would I be happier if I had more control? Well, see, here's the thing. The company I'm leased to, I basically run, I dispatch myself. Then, the only thing I use them for is the billing. Okay. So, so when you like think so, of, all right, so it, let, let's cut to the chase here. When you think of, should I go activate my own authority? Tell me the number one reason you would do it. Probably just to have that. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't even need to hear the yeah. rest of the sentence. All I needed to hear was the big <laughs> delay, a big silence, and then probably. Don't do it. You don't have a good reason to go do this. Yeah, and, and honestly, the money that I pay them, for their, it, it, their percentage is so low. I would have to do the billing, which yeah. is not a big deal, but well, it can be what they do is like, worth. And you what, have to worry about collections oh, I I, and, and people not paying you and people being slow payers, which is going to get a lot worse. You know, all these people that oh, ran out got their own authority for the last couple of years. Don't realize how good things were and how tough it can be when all of a sudden your brokers start slowing down how quick they pay you or they don't pay you at all because times are really getting tough. Shippers can do the same thing. They can get really slow on paying because they're trying to manage their cash flow. People don't understand it's not just rates that change in a downturn. Everything about business gets more difficult. So you don't have a good, strong reason why you would do this, so don't do it. Yeah, I see a lot of posts about brokers and 
companies paying even carriers their, their money is slowing down and yeah. credit yeah but, and and carriers will go yeah, out of business and it's, and owner operators will be left holding the bag they'll be left with you know a week or two of, of runs not paid when the carrier goes out of business it happens every down cycle yeah yeah i know i it's it's just i've been toying with it and struggling is like, should I or shouldn't I? And yeah, I'll just, I'm going to stay here for now. And the things change maybe later, but. Um, at, at some point, hey, uh, what, what, it, what it, should change is at some point you have some big reason why you want to go do it. Otherwise, why bother? You're, you're right. in a situation that you have most of the benefits of having your own authority and almost none of the headaches. True, true, yep. Hey, do you still uh, follow Dr. Uh, Barry? I do. I actually uh, I follow him on Twitter now that I'm on Twitter. You see, he, him and uh, Nisha bought a, a homestead over in, I think, Holiday, Tennessee, and they're raising all these animals, and it's kind of funny watching some of his yeah. videos where he's out there with the, the sheep and I know. chickens. Pretty and, awesome. Yeah. It's kind of, so. Yeah. I'm just wondering. You know, um, he was uh, kind of a regular on our show for a while. We had him back to back, you know, on twice. And uh, he doesn't respond to emails or texts from me anymore. And if you remember how that happened, wow. and I'm just totally speculating on this because because he's he's a really down to earth guy. We had a great relationship on the air, off the air. He loved coming on the show. But if you remember, not long after he was on the show the first time, his clinic got burned down. I think it was his clinic first, and yeah, it was arson, and then. Several months went by and we had him back on the show again and he had a house fire. That was arson. And then he stopped responding to me. And I thought it's very possible that, you know, he believes there was some sort of a connection to him being and that was on Sirius. So we had a big audience and um, I, I, I that's the only thing I can. And I don't push it. You know, I sent him a couple messages. I didn't get a response. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it and push it. But I, I still follow him. He's got great material. I just wonder if that's what I, I can't imagine that it was anything else. I mean, nothing else happened that I know of. That's crazy when you think about it. But we'll think about everything else going on in this country, and oh, nothing I, is out of the. Uh, well, exactly. I mean, what, what reality. Are, you know, what are the odds that one person has two arson fires like that? That that's that that was clearly intentional, and uh, and again, the timing was they were all right around when he was on the air. So I thought maybe he's just you know wants to keep a lower profile. Yeah, that's sad. But. Yeah. It'd be nice when you get Doctor uh, Wolfson uh, back on. Yeah, we're 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 going to work on that. He's got a lot and, of good stuff. You know, we're going to work with. Um, you know, the the other possibility we're exploring is that uh, since we have a network and our own app and we can control all this, uh, at some point when we kind of get this all nailed down, we will probably start approaching other. Um, 
podcasters in in trucking and health and business and money and we may start bringing their shows into our network good deal and then trying to create new hosts. that's all i got all right that's all i need we'll let you go good stuff let's go to texas mike welcome to the program hey good morning kevin Hey, um, I have several things to share with you here. Um, you ready? Sure. I know you are. Okay. Uh, Paul, the Australian guy that calls in. New Zealand. He said he got an accident. Be careful he there. He's, he's a New Kiwi. Zealand. He's a Kiwi. Uh, all right. All right. I'll keep that straight. He said he changed lanes and had a fender bender with a BMW, and he secretly recorded them with his phone. And he cannot use that in court if you secretly do that. You have to disclose to them that you're recording the conversation or is not submissible in court. I so that may be there, I have Paul, no idea. I don't really follow is that a, a state by state law or is that I mean we don't have a lot of federal laws. I I most of those kind of laws are state by state. Uh I couldn't tell you on that that part. Uh, this is a California law that you have to disclose that, hey, I'm recording this conversation or it's not submissible in court. Yeah, and that's what I mean. If that's a California law, you might drive right across the line into Oregon or Nevada, and the law may be totally different. That's true. That's true. And that's one and of the— And also you get a lot of no, guys that, call— But that brings up a good point. This is one of the challenges we face in, in trucking, and it's one of the reasons I just stay out of this, you know— topic of compliance and law and all that one law is complicated compliance is complicated and in trucking we have it really tough because we have to understand all the different states it's like the state gun laws you know people ask me what you know they know i carry when i travel in my coach and they'll say well what are you going to do when you're in you know chicago or dc or this state or and i say look I don't have a clue what the rules are in those states, and I don't want to know because I'm going to carry anyway. So why do why would I bother knowing? I, I, I'm going to carry. I'm, if their rule says I have to take the gun apart and put pieces over here, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to carry the way I want to carry, and I'll face the consequences. Uh, but that's a challenge for us in trucking. We we don't always know what the law might be when we get into an accident in another state or we get a ticket in another state or um, that's pretty challenging. And that is a big problem for us because, um, um, I, I called in before I have the big $300,000 big house. We're talking yeah. about upgrading it. Yeah. Um, and, but, but, all, but all we do is military freight and every base we go to, they search our truck. So we have to leave all our weapons at home. I carry a can of wash See, that, spray and, that, you know, that, that it, sucks. That that's just and it does. <laughs> you know what's ironic about it? It's the military. Come on! I know, and we're supposed to protect. <laughs> and we're exactly. supposed to be. And, and yeah, we got a valuable stuff on here that we're responsible for. And well, let me pack my forty-five here. <laughs> yeah, but, you no, know, we need uh, we, at the very least we need a nationwide uh, carry permit so that the, the rules are consistent across all states. Uh, at the very least, I say we should have it for commercial drivers because they have to deal with this so much. 
Uh, but I think we should just have it for everybody. There, there are. I love states' rights, but I think there are some things that should not be allowed to be controlled by the states like that, and things that interfere with interstate commerce. And all of these crazy state rules that states are allowed to impose on drivers and commercial vehicles, I think they should all disappear. Yeah. And, and our truck's so long, we never, ever park in truck stops. Never, ever. We just always could find some place to stop. And we run our little diesel generator all the time, and this thing's got like 150 lights on it. Yeah. So we leave it lit up every night yeah. to, to try to show awareness. Yeah. I feel like if I lit up like a Christmas tree, the bad guy's going to want to stay away. Well, yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing. when If I'm traveling on the road, if I'm in the coach, and, and I am armed, um, I, I feel safer there no matter where, what crazy place I park in. Because the one thing about being in there, you're not getting in without me knowing it. And by the time you get in, it's already over. Um, you know, when we live in this crazy big house, two of us, 6,000 square feet, and we have windows and doors everywhere. I mean, on the other end of the house, somebody could break a window and I wouldn't even hear it. Um, we do have alarms uh, and cameras and all kinds of things. And it's not that I'm paranoid. I just will not be a victim. Man, that's a big house, 6,000 square feet. That's a lot of work keeping up on that place. Uh, well, and, yeah, and there's two of us and a dog. And it's not we didn't build 6,000 square feet just for us. The, the, the plans are this will be a bed and breakfast someday. Oh, okay. So it's, got, okay. it's laid out with the ability to have five full suites. Is, is what it's set up as. Now, those suites are currently being used, like my off my studio right now um, and, and the room right outside my studio, one day will make a big, like almost a apartment. I mean, it's that big and it's got some plumbing in it it's for a kind of a wet bar, a little cook area. It's got its own bathroom and shower. Um, it's got a separate room, which is my studio. And then, so the, the whole house has been designed. Uh, uh, one of the other suites um, Lisa uses as her craft room. She does uh, the, the glow forge and uh, a bunch of stuff like that. So she's got one of the rooms being used. Um, the suite that's um, down on the lower floor, I'm using as a gym and biohacking lab. And now it just got turned into a hot honey fermenting lab. So we use the space, but they're, they were designed to be, to be converted to full suite someday. Okay. All right. I've got a couple more things on my list for you. All right. So um, speaking of the military, do you think they're going to keep working if things slow down with all the craziness? I would think um, the doing military freight is going to stay busy. You know, I don't know a lot about military freight, um, I, I, but I, don't, I wouldn't think that it is, you know, really negatively affected by the economy it's probably more affected by the administration and how much military spending they want to do. Yeah. I you know, when, 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 when I was in the military, going on. Um, when I was in the military, Reagan was in office and Reagan was big on military spending and a lot of changes got made. Um, when I went into the military in 82, they had almost no, um, physical requirements of people who are active duty. 
Now, you went through basic training. You had to pass, you know, the basic PT test and that kind of stuff. And that was kind of a joke, really. Um, but uh, my first duty station, I got there and both my um, uh, master sergeant and first sergeant were both obese. I mean, not a little obese either. They were severely overweight. And that changed while I was in. In fact, both of them ended up retiring because of it. So the, the military now, my God, when I hear about the military now and all this woke crap they're doing, I can't even imagine what it's like being in now. So the military doesn't really ebb and flow with the economy much. It, it does change a lot with different administrations, though. Have you heard anything on the, the future budget for them? No. All I could say okay. is that typically, and there doesn't seem to be a lot typical in politics these days, but typically Republicans are known for more military spending and Democrats are known for less, except it seems like the Democrats are always trying to drag us into some goofy war um, like they are now. I mean, we're, we're fighting Russia by proxy. Um so it, it's hard to say anymore uh, because if you're in a war, there's going to be a lot of military spending. The problem right now is all that military money is going to Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we've been moving lots of stuff, but I want to talk about. Um, okay, I'll move down my list here. So, so I was going to share with you. Um, me and my buddy, we both bought a Razor XP one thousand, the, the race version. And we keep them the same exact way. We buy identical razors. We put identical tires on, identical shocks. So that way, whoever can talk smack at the end of the day, we both have the same machine. And, and he went and put on a big mega light bar on his. And now his low fuel light comes on before mine does. Really? And when we were talking about, talking about chicken lights the other day, you know, we got like 150 lights on this truck. And... Uh, but yeah, he put a light bar on and we used to come on about the same time and we have identical gas cans we carry. We pour yeah. our gas in. But now but now it seems like he comes on. So there's, I don't know the mileage. He just comes on before I do. You know, there's two effects happening there on fuel economy. And the thing we have to remember is the the type of vehicle we drive all day long, the truck with 15 liter engines and multiple gears, they are less affected by something like air conditioning. You know, the, we use the same air conditioning pump in a giant truck that we use in a smart car. They're ba- I mean, one might be a little bigger than the other, but there, there's not a lot of difference in an AC system. They're virtually identical. But that AC system trying to pull off a 700cc engine in a smart car is a huge drag on it. On a truck, it's not that big of a drag at all. Um, the first time I realized that air tabs really worked because it's hard to really prove that on a truck. But the first time I absolutely knew they worked was I've got an FJ cruiser and this was 15 years ago when I first got it. I still have it. Um, and we bought a little 10 foot utility trailer to take around to truck shows at the time. I put that thing on empty. I had a hard time maintaining 65 miles an hour without the, the thing constantly downshifting to try to maintain that speed. 
and it was really uncomfortable. So I either had to go faster and then it would stay in the lower gear and just be screaming, or I had to go slower and then it could maintain that speed. And I put the air tabs on the trailer and that, that equation changed by almost five miles an hour. You, you would never be able to feel that in a truck. But in a smaller vehicle, a lot of times the impact is so much bigger that we can see it and prove it. So the light bar has two impacts on a small vehicle like that. One is aerodynamic and the other is the draw on the alternator, whatever's supplying the power. Yeah, and these are 100-something horsepower engines, so you're right, they're not very big, just little two-cylinders. Yeah, so those, those, all those things that affect fuel economy are easier to see in a smaller vehicle like that. Good point. Good point. Okay, so another question here for you. All so right. I got two smart devices here, my, my iPhone and a GPS. The, the elevation on those are usually pretty much identical, and they never, ever jive with the elevation sign that's posted. On, on the highways, you know, when you go up to hmm. Mountain Pass, it says whatever the yeah. elevation is. Which which would you guess is more accurate? I've never checked this. Right, that's interesting because I drive around with all kinds of devices that could measure elevation. And, and sometimes I look at it, and but I've never tried to match it to a sign. That's an interesting thing to try. I'm just going to make a... Like I'm usually 50... I'm going to make a wag 50 here. 50 to 100 feet different. I'm going to make a wag. That's a wild-ass guess. Okay. Knowing what I know about the latest GPS technology, it is extremely accurate. I think we, we measure the, the errors in, in feet or inches now. These things are becoming so accurate. I would venture to say it might be the devices that are correct. Yeah, especially since two of them are the same I have two two separate ones that show the same. Yeah, and they're really close to each other. Yeah, the the Jeep, you know, the GPS and, technology is becoming so accurate. Or you know, now we have devices that use GPS, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth all together to come up with some of these numbers. That I'll, again, I'll go back to the six thousand square foot house. Um, when I misplace my phone, and I use the Apple Find My Phone feature. It's accurate enough that I can just about look at the diagram and know which room it is in my house. Or if I left it out in my car in the driveway or I, that's pretty damn accurate. Yeah. 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 If, if my wife's in town, she could look and see if I'm out in the shop or in the house. Yeah. Yeah. They're that's, not that far apart. Yeah. They're, <laughs> the, the accuracy on them has become pretty incredible. So I would venture to say now here's the other thing. If you're checking this as you're driving by, that may be part of the problem. If you get a chance, maybe you could pull over and park right next to the sign and check it. The movement and, and the timing might be screwing it up a little bit. Oh, well, that's a good point. That's interesting. I don't know if I ever get a chance to stop by a sign, but that's, that's a good point. That, that, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, you would think that when they put those signs up, they would have been accurate, but I don't know. Uh, but I, today, I, I would really trust these devices. They're pretty, 
pretty accurate down to some really small tolerances now. Yeah, they are. Okay. Uh, last couple items on my list here. So, so my buddy, he drives an international truck with an X15, just like I have here. I have three forty twos with the thirteen speed, and he has two fifteens, two fifteen gear ratios with direct drive. So they're really running that uh, X fifteen down low. We're talking on the phone. We're both going like sixty five. I'm running like thirteen fifty, and he's only running eleven fifty. And so it seems like these new new X fifteens they are getting them to run pretty low on these trucks. Eleven fifty is about the bottom that I would trust the X fifteen. The X-15 does not have the architecture to go down into the nines. Like we're, what we, when we really talk about downspeeding, we're really talking about under 1,000. And the X-15 just won't stand up to that. So I think they, they pushed the limit here, which is a good thing. I, I, you know, it'd be interesting to see overall how he's performing, how his emissions are holding up. I, it sounds like a pretty good spec, maybe. Um, not nearly as flexible because direct being his top gear, that's all he's got. I mean, and if he wants to run faster and now his RPMs start coming up, then that's when you're going to run into emission problems. So on these true downspeeding platforms where we're, you know, Joel is to the point where he can run highway speeds at three gears. It just gives him incredible amounts of flexibility. Um, 1150 is probably about as low as you want to go with that X15. The bottom end just won't hold up to it. Well, with, with his automatic, when he's climbing, it downshifts when he gets to 1,000 RPMs. That, I that's their downshift line before that. I think they're, they're pushing some limits on that one. It does, it does seem like that. It does, they are running it pretty low. Um, and I was going to also is, say, is um, this oh, did, people call he run General Freight or is he in some sort of application where it's pretty light? Um, reefer. He does reefer Ooh, work. And it's heavy. He, 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 does, he does work for a fleet. Oh, yeah, that's he heavy. He works for a fleet. Who specs this? He does local. It's a CR England truck. Huh. No, it's a CR England International. You know, I, I could see a spec like that on an X-15 if I just knew I ran light all the time. Then then it's not. But, boy, running reefer freight with that setup. It'll be interesting to see how that engine yeah. holds up over time. You've got a 450 on it right now, 450,000 miles. Yeah. So well, it's holding up. Well, well and and not necessarily. Multiple drivers I, mean, I, I, drive would, it. I would never expect it to, to fail before that unless somebody really, really pushed those low RPMs a lot. But, you know, is this thing going to make it to a million miles? And if it doesn't, to me, that's a huge failure. I mean, any diesel engine today should go well past a million miles. Yeah. So, um, and I was saying that people call you about gear ratios. There's so many online gear ratio calculators. I, I just go to Spicer Automatic Transmission Gear Racer Ratio Calculator. And so all you guys out there that call in are just tons of them online. And you could just sit how, there and run these numbers yourself. How long have you been listening to the show? Long time. And you're, you sound like somebody who reads and researches and thinks about things. So I'll give you an analogy. Um, you know, somewhere around here, I'm pretty sure I still have 
uh, Hewlett Packard financial calculator, little handheld calculator. Remember those? They used to have scientific calculators. They had financial calculators. Um, I had that calculator. I could not use 5% of the power of it because I didn't understand all the concepts. I could run a calculation. I could look in the book and see, here's how you calculate, you know, the angle of an obtuse triangle or whatever it was. Um, But I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. I could come up with the right number because the calculator did it for me. That's kind of what it happens with a lot of, they don't understand how the gear ratio affects the entire driveline. They're still stuck in that mode of, oh, if you have two 15 gears, you're never going to get up a hill. So it's not going to do them much good to go calculate the numbers when they don't understand the concepts. Okay. It, and that's one thing I disagree with, with you on, okay? You always talk about uh, downshifting, and that's a torque multiplier, but that also a rear end is. If I have, I have a 342, my driveline is spinning 3.2 right, times. But here's why we don't – we do talk about that. That's the spec on the truck. But you get one shot at picking that. When I have 12 gears, I have all those options all day long. So that's why we're so big on don't buy a truck with the wrong rear end ratio. Don't spec a truck with the wrong rear end ratio. Yes, that's a torque multiplier. But you pick it once and you're done. And it's going to cost you $6,000 if you want to change it. And then you're stuck with that one. But a transmission allows us to choose whether we want to torque multiply, torque decrease. That's where the flexibility comes in. Yeah. So I, I've been tossing around if I'm going to keep this big high dollar truck, go ahead and putting in 2.28 gear ratios. And that would put me right at about 60 at, we usually run about 63 to 65. And that put me right at 1250 RPM. That sounds about right. X15. Yeah. And, and again, yeah, it, it, I, I try for me when I spec trucks I, and I, I, drove, I, I was fine with, I loved having one overdrive gear, but I almost never used it when I had it. I was fine specking a truck with a final drive as a as a direct drive because I drove 57 miles an hour no matter what. I, I That was just the way I drove. It, it, you know, I was on I, most of my career that I owned trucks other than a couple years, I was on fixed mileage contracts. So it's not like rates would go up and I should drive faster. So for me, it was easy to spec a truck. I didn't need three gears to be able to run at highway speeds. One was just fine. And if you're in that situation where you say, look, we just we don't get in a hurry no matter what. This is the speed we're going to drive. Then, yeah, you, it's easier to spec that way. Yeah, and then we also do so much deadheading. I mean, um, our next load, we have to – we'll deadhead 1,000 miles all the time. We've even yeah. deadhead 1,500 miles. Yeah. We do lots of bouncing. They need us, so we'll head that way, and away we go. Yeah, it, and, you know, when and that, and Joel's, Joel's big advantage on, on being able to spec that Volvo and Mac platform that way is all of that flexibility to run 55 very efficiently if you want to or to run 75 as efficiently as you can at those speeds. That's, that's a pretty incredible spread there. We never used to be able to do that. So for people who, you know, 
are on, you know, they're getting paid and their rates all over the place. Sometimes it might be high, sometimes it might be low. Then that does make sense to have that kind of flexibility and say, look, the rate on this one is high. I've got another lined up. I'm going to get there and, and go run 70 or 75 as efficiently as you can. But in other operations, like like mine, and it sounds like yours, you're just not going to run those speeds. No, because well, I don't want to beat my truck up. You know, this I, IRI, I ARI truck I, is potholes. I just don't want to beat it up. I don't want to beat my body up. No, Driving I, 75 is stressful. Yeah. I, I even run my tire stuff. I got I got the 365 like Joe put on his. I, you know, I only run 85 pounds of pressure in them. I run my drives like at 70. Because it's a smoother ride. No, I I get it. I get it. Same same thing in the coach. And when we've got a a team drive, it helps the other guy to sleep. My my tires on the coach, I I buy top-of-the-line Michelins because I want really good tires, but I run an inflation in them that isn't ideal for either fuel economy or tire wear. But I don't care. The fuel economy thing's not a big deal to me because, you know, I might put 15,000 miles on it on a good year. And tire wear isn't an issue for me because I get rid of the tires at five years no matter what. And so even with the goofiest wear, I never really have to get rid of a tire because of tire wear. I usually I get rid of it because it's five years old and I don't want it on the coach anymore. Yeah. Yeah, the same problem we have. We have a Winnebago tour. I so, called you talked about that before. We have yeah, Winnebago. Yeah, so and when tires tires at six years, we change them. Yeah, so when we talk about topics like this, and one of the things you know, the haters over the years, the co- a lot of the comments they'll make is, well, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, you're right; it probably doesn't. I, I every time I answer a question, I can't go through all the variations on that question. I can't go through, well, you know, Joel should do this and Bob should do this and the guy over here should do this and you should do that and the guy pulling the tanker should. I just answer the question for the person who's asking it. That doesn't mean that's my only answer. I, I, clearly, we do lots of things differently based on the situation. And we just went through a bunch of them. The way I do things, the way you do things. So that idea of, well, that doesn't work for me. Okay, let's find something that does. Yeah. And uh, one more thing. Uh, the guy that called and like with the stretch truck and he wants to, you mentioned 265 gears. See, to me, that doesn't make sense because you're going to take your 13 or 18 speed. You're going to come out of it. You're going to, your input shaft, you're going to speed the transmission up, then go into the wait, auxiliary wait, box wait, wait, and you're, then you're, slow it you're, halfway down. You're missing something here, though. You're missing a piece of okay. this drivetrain puzzle. You are, are missing the fact that we have multiple gears and we can choose what gear we want whenever we want. So the rear end yeah, is, yeah, but- is it, it, there is no downside to him choosing that 264 rear end in the situation he gave me. None. Well, that's probably that's more of an inefficient gear, I think, than to run thirteenth because the auxiliary box is not going straight through it. Because you you're coming out, you come the input shaft from the engine, you're speeding the transmission up, and then he's going so, the auxiliary so don't, box don't, and slowing don't, it halfway down. No, it, that 
that misses the point still, but again, why I answered the question the way I did, I'm not changing his transmission. If I could, I would put a better transmission in with this gear ratio, but that's not what we're doing. That gets too expensive. But I will still stand by the fact that the 264 running in direct is better than his gears running in 13th as an overdrive. Okay, yeah, well, well, 264, you'd have to run in 12th. That's what I was implying. 264, you'd have to run in 12th or you'd be... Well, that's... You know, your, your I, RPMs I, I, I probably didn't say it because, I again, I assume that we understand that. I, I didn't say, to, or maybe okay. I did, maybe I didn't. I don't even remember what I might have said, but it's possible I didn't say it, but that's that's the implication. That's exactly what we've always talked about. You use a gear ratio to get you into direct because direct is a more efficient gear than overdrive. Yeah, and that makes sense. So those RPM calculators to run direct at 65, that 228, is right about 1300 rpm well now we, we we can't forget about the other gearing that's in this setup we haven't talked about another gear the tire and wheel size you mean, are you referring to 12 no i'm referring okay, to the yep. tires yep that's a gear yep yep and, and that's and another thing you have to put in that calculator correct. too. to ask you for your tire od uh, yeah, yep. and some will ask you for tire RPM because they can you can calculate it from either one. Tire RPM stands for revolutions yeah. per mile. We could if we know the outside diameter, we could calculate revolutions per mile or we can just input revolutions per mile and skip the outside dynamic uh, diameter if we know it. And it, and just about every tire website I've ever gone to if you dig enough into the um, literature, they will tell you the tire RPM of that tire. Yeah. And there's just, yeah, there's tons of information out there for anybody wanting to run their, their RPMs and gear yeah. ratio. Yeah. I, I like the Spicer one, but just remember if you're, you're listening, if you want to do it, direct is 1.0. Yep. Don't go 1.1 because that isn't direct. It's 1.0. Well, so to help everybody out with that, if the number is less than zero, that's an underdrive. If it's one, that's a direct drive. If it's over, it's a an overdrive. Yeah, if it's over, it's like 0.83, then to 0.7, 0.86 and 0.73 on these transmissions. But, oh, but yeah, I'll I got never it backwards. I, I, ju I, 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 I just set it backwards. I think I said it backwards. Yeah. yeah. So the, the overdrives are more than one. The underdrives are under one. No, no, I said it backwards again. Now no, I'm confusing no, no. myself. The, the overdrive. Right. Yeah, now I'm so, confusing so, so, myself. So 12th, now. Gear is, so, so 12th gear is 0.86 and 13th is 0.73. Well, in, in and, a and double and, overdrive 13 speed. We, now we have to be clear about that too. Yeah. Right. So, and, yeah, and, if, and, and if a, the term that we use, double overdrive or single overdrive, isn't always technically accurate either. 
Um, we will, you know, there are transmissions out there that only have one overdrive gear, but it's a big drop down to in like the 0.7 something. And we still tend to refer to those as double overdrives when that's not technically correct. They don't have two overdrive gears, but their final overdrive is, is a pretty steep overdrive. So we tend to refer to it as a double. Yeah, the new endurance transmission, that's like a point. I was just looking that up. That's a point seven seven. That's a and that's a big jump. That's yeah, a big well jump, especially in your tallest gear. Yeah, my um you. my automatic transmission in the coach, the final is point six four. That's a horrible torque reducer. After listening to you talk about that, now we leave our um Winnebago tour and we have the Allison, we leave that in fifth gear. I never ever take it out of fifth gear now. Yeah, it, it, it we just runs 65 and that's about 1500 RPM. I just leave it in fifth gear, run a catalyst in it. There you so go. So far, so good. There you go. All right, good stuff. Hey, Mike, yeah. I'm going to cut you loose. The calls are piling up on me. We're going to go to Kansas. Fred, welcome to the program. Kevin, I remember correctly the B model Mac I, drew, I started to drive when I first learned how to 15 speed drive flex and the Overdrive is 0.60. Was it really? <laughs> yes, sir. Holy I cow. So I was a, and Yeah, yeah. And, Mac, old Mac 15-speed triplex was a 6.0, I think, on the overdrive. And what were we working with horsepower? 300? Yeah, 300, you know, 185. That you know. had to yeah. be so yeah. hard to drive. When you got it up to speed, though... Look out. (laughs) As long as you didn't get a little bit of a headwind or a hill, that thing would have to fall on its face with that low horsepower and that ratio. They would would spec them with 423s, 444s. Now that's true. They would spec them with... Well, see, everything was so different. We'd have to go back and really think about that because you're right. We had very, very low gear ratios and we had very, very big tires. 411s, 410s were yeah. norm. 390s. Yeah. I, I, you I, know, that's what non 24.5 full size tires. You know, I you just reminded me of something. I had um, I had the caller on earlier with that Series 60 with the really good oil sample, and he had said that you know 355s um, was too low, and I, I wanted to tell him my favorite gear ratio on a Series 60, other than 264s. Uh, was 390. I mean, I, I because okay. I, I drove slow. 60 mile an hour is 390. Yeah. That, that's a pretty darn good setup for a Series 60. But, we, you know, again, so many things yeah, have changed. You. The tires have gotten much smaller. The gear ratios have gotten much higher. The transmissions are finally giving us better options. But uh, yeah. those, and, and we're talking about, you know, back then mechanical engines where you know, running 2000 RPM wasn't unheard of. Oh, I remember my 335. I was running 2400 yeah. RPMs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, two, uh, one, I want to address another thing. I actually have to keep my face clean shaven for the tape most nights. So it, it does it does interfere with me. I never thought about I, that. I go yeah. a day. I can go a day, you know, but if I'm, and I, 
I my hair grows like a like a bear. So I'm, I'm you know <laughs> I, I use that term a lot in my life for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. But um, the snoring now. It, it, when I first started this, I, after I first read the book Bre- Breast um, or Breeze, um, I, I, it was very hard to get used to uh, the tape. It was very, very hard to I'll get bet. used to the tape. It took a while. I yeah. don't know exactly how long, but again, you know, you're sleeping with your mouth open since you're a child, and, and now you're forcibly taped. But now, I, as I was listening to the call, I, I, my mouth is closed all day long. That's good. I actually have my tongue resting on the roof of my mouth. That's good. Uh, it's yep. kind of a natural thing, I guess, from sleeping the way I sleep now with the tape on. It's a... Uh, it's it's a natural, comfortable way of 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 my I guess my body's changed. Yeah. So um, you know, and uh, and as far as my sinuses, I gave them a workout in the early '80s. Uh, I don't know how good my sinuses are anymore. So. Going to the discotheques in I, New York City, I, you know. I, I, I have a story about that. Probably, uh, pro- I, I don't know. Maybe I'll record it someday about being uh, being stationed in the military. Uh, I was at Fort Eustace, Virginia, um, just south of DC, and. I won't tell the whole story, but I'll kind of set up. So one of the guys I met there, and I had a car. And this is AIT, right after basic. You haven't got to your duty station yet. Almost nobody had a car. Um, I went home on a long weekend, got my car, brought it back. So I was one of the few people there that had a car. And I met a guy from, he grew up in Medellin, Colombia. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he would offer me all kinds of stuff to drive him up to DC on the weekends. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but I, uh, I, I originally called and I, I don't know if you want to go through this. I like to, I was uh, a couple of people inquired how I did, how my journey went and, and how, how I fought through some struggles and so, so forth and so, so on and got, got, from 300 and the, and the picture I posted on the, on the tribe site was I was 222 in that second picture. Okay. And I know I was bouncing between 285 and 300 religiously and maybe even 305 when I was at my heaviest, which yeah. was around the same, the, 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 uh, the before picture. Yeah. And although I, I thought I felt good, I, I can't believe how good I feel now. You know, and I, I had, you know, pains and aches and pains and just thought, well, I'm in my 50s now. It's just what it is. And and it's not. It's it, not that. You know, I, I'm so glad you posted that today. And we need to, you know, we've attempted this a couple times to ask people to write testimonials and give us pictures. And we need to do more of that because those pictures are so inspiring. I mean, it is such a yeah. powerful visual um, and, and then Steven and his wife posted their picture and yes. to see awesome, a couple awesome do results, that yes. together, honestly, um, yep. some people, and, and you're one of them, you can lose a lot of weight and you did. And I recognize you immediately. I mean, your face didn't yeah. change. Yeah. It got thinner, but it didn't. I mean, you're still right. very recognizable. You look at that picture of Stephen and his wife. I think the first picture are imposters. Those aren't the same two people. 
<laughs> I know. I think I know. they stole the first picture off the internet somewhere. <laughs> but uh, so I, I just wanted to, to let some people who are struggling or trying to get on board here. Um, when, when I first started doing this is when you first went on daytimes, you started, you had a lot more uh, time. I was listening to you when you were nights and weekends. Uh, when I could, but when you went on daytimes, you had a lot more time and you started uh, pushing back on Kim a little bit because you really weren't ready to go into the health, health thing oh, for yeah. drivers. And you, 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 you went, you, you know, you actively went out of your way and you really educated yourself so you can help people. And, and, and I, and my post was kind of a little pushback with people saying that things are expensive. And I don't, I don't, I understand that, you know, people are on fixed incomes and, and, and budgets and stuff, but it really is once you do some of this stuff and you don't need all the supplements that you, that you put out there to get there. Cause I didn't use a lot of the supplements, but you but could lose then, weight we were with talking none of more them. on keto. Yeah. Right. We were, we were talking more on keto at, right. the, at the time and, and everybody was fighting the keto flu. We didn't know what that right. was. And right. And we can go into that. So what, what helped me was the, the fat digestion kit that you offered, that you put together with the research and everything else. Your son was working with you at the time. You had a few other people working on this. And, and you put together that, the fat digestion kit and, and stuff with the, with the, um, the, uh, the bile salts and right. such like that. Yep. And, and the reasoning behind this for people to understand is that when we stop, when we go to a low-fat diet they've subscribed to us for the last couple decades, our, our systems slow down. They don't ever stop working, but they slow down. So when you inject all this fat and everything into our bodies, our bodies don't know how to handle it, and, our, and it kind of shocks our system. Yeah. And so, so the supplements that you have, these kits that you, that you created, help our bodies with the with a little bit of a push to start digesting the fats the right way and to get our 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 you know our gallbladder and our liver to start using the stuff that it was inherently designed to do yeah well you know another example so, of this today we don't talk about it quite as much anymore um one of the reasons that that kind of the calls and the topics have changed on this platform, we don't have nearly as as many new listeners all the time. So, you know, we yes, had to keep going through the same stuff all the time on Sirius because somebody would tune in and they'd be like, ah, oh, what are you talking about? Eating all this fat, you're going to kill people. And, and we'd have to convince them and then we'd have to start them from the beginning. And we don't have as much of that anymore. You know, a lot of the people listening right, have right. heard this stuff for years, but here's with this big push towards plant-based everything, vegans and vegetarians and plant-based meats and plant-based cheese, and, and one of the problems people are going to have, and, and they have them, you go from that to an animal-based diet, you don't have the stomach acid you need because we don't use a lot Correct. of stomach acid to, to digest plant foods. We use something totally different to digest carbohydrates. So if you come from a carbohydrate-heavy diet, which is the standard American diet, to a, a carnivore diet, you're going to have some stomach issues. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, so I, I wanted to go through some of this with people so they, they understood. And, and my journey wasn't, it wasn't a snap of the finger. Now, I, <laughs> I, come, from, I come from like you. I, I started training, weight training and bodybuilding when I was 15 because that's the environment I grew up around. My father, my uncles, my older cousins, they all were into, the, like we were talking the other day about the old weightlifting and, and, yeah. and strength training. And, and all, I was into... You know, uh, risk cur- I could risk curl 225. I could, you know, crazy strength moves that people don't normally do. Yeah. You know, and, and, and pin scrimping stuff. And so I was into a lot of the strongman things at a young age. So I trained that way. I did neck exercises. And, but, but as, so I always knew my body to a certain level of, of gaining and losing weight you know, putting on pounds when I was training, taking off pounds to maybe compete in a bodybuilding competition or make a weight level for a powerlifting event or something to that yeah. effect. Yeah. So, but as I grew older and I got out of that and I, I would, you know, train, I would get a, a hair up my, my butt and I would train for a couple months straight right. and religiously and, right. and then I would stop again, you know, and I pay for the gym membership for the rest of the year anyway. And, <laughs> yep. but uh, my my body my body changed and you know uh, that's what happens sometimes our metabolism changes our diets change our 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 activities change and and every you know so um, getting onto this with you it made sense uh, at first and I wasn't a wholeheartedly into it um, you know but I, I I would lose I lost some weight and I got some some sticking points and I was still. You know, go off, go off the reservation in New York with a bowl of pasta, or, or you know, uh, go to the bar and drink all night long, or whatever. But um, you had me- mentioned back then uh, when I was on one of those plateaus. I think I got down to about two sixty-five, two, two sixty, and I was stuck there for a while, and I didn't understand why. And you said two things that really resonated with me. One was that we're always hungry because we don't put the proper nutrition into our bodies. And number two was, if you don't do it 100% for at least the first 30 days, you're not going to get any results. You'll get some, but not, not, the, not right. the main results. And yeah. so I said, said you know, I, I'm going to listen because what he said so far has worked, and I'm going to listen. And I did a strict 30-day and it really turned out to be a uh, like a sixty day, um, just where I I just cut most of the carbohydrates out of my diet and ate real clean and and started up in my nutrition with things like sardine sardines yeah. and and yep. some and some uh, you know organ meats. I I actually like liver, so it wasn't a big stretch for me to have liver and onions. Right. Um, but I didn't use any flour anymore. You know what I mean? I used yeah. to put a little flour on it right. and fry it. Um, so, you know, I just, and then all of a sudden, my body, because I had it somewhat fat adapted, uh, which, you know, where it was burning the fat, and uh, all of a sudden, it, the weight just started just coming off. I was down yeah. to 255, 250, 245, 235. And it, and, and it, was, it was incredible. The, the 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 dynamic in the weight loss yep. after I got st- 
strict with it. You know, I'm glad you're bringing this up because sometimes we we keep moving on to the new stuff. You know, there's so much to discover the the microbiome and uh, it's, it's right. always something new. And sometimes we have to, the one thing I I don't talk about enough anymore, and I hardly ever see even some of the best practitioners out there, I don't think we put enough emphasis on nutrient density. You know, even carnivore works, but most people eating carnivore are nowhere near as healthy as they could be because there's, even though all animal foods are more nutrient dense than plant foods, if all we're eating is steaks and burgers and bacon, which is pretty common, there's still a whole nother level of health that most people aren't reaching. And, and I don't see enough right. practitioners, and I've kind of gotten out of the habit. I mean, we even called our keto nutrient-dense keto. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on fermented carnivore to get the fermented part in. And, you know, we, but we need to really stay focused on that nutrient dense part. Right. And that's kind of, I had a conversation with a gentleman this morning who's struggling and I want to help him wherever I can. I'm going to give him a call back after we get off the air. Uh, Cause I had to cut our conversation short for other reasons, but um, I, I wanted to put this out there because if he's struggling, there has to be other people struggling out there and they have to realize that there is more to it than just eating. Like you said, burgers, bacon, and, and steaks. You know, and, and although I, I've gotten off the nutrient density to, to some degree as well, and I've gotten back up to my 240, I, I do want to start getting my own health back into shape. And then what we do is we have to go back. I have to go back to being more nutrient dense because yeah. I was explained this morning on the phone uh, and I said to you, I New York City, I was eating a bacon, egg, and cheese on a, on a hard roll right. on the phone with my wife discussing where we're going for dinner. Exactly. I yeah. lived my life around food. I, I lived my too. life around, I, there's people that live, that live to survive and there's people that, that to survive just to go to the next to, meal. To live, yeah, or to eat, and, yeah. That, that, and that was and, me. I, yeah, I yeah, you describe know, myself as a and, foodie. I, I, I put yeah, a lot of I'll, emphasis I'll, on I'll food. Give you, I'll give you a... a I'll give you a crazy quick story. I was at a I was at a um, a ba- uh, a one year old birthday party, catered birthday party, because that's how people do it sometimes. You know, a big yeah. big hall, catered food, lunchtime, and I'm sitting there with my with my four kids and their and their significant others, their boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, husbands, whatever. And we're eating. We're sitting there eating, and it's about one one two o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm talking to everybody about where I'm taking them for supper. <laughs> yep. I, and my, I, it, it's and my, my son-in-law, yeah, my son-in-law says to my wife later on, she says, is your husband crazy? And she says, what? She says, I'm not going to be able to eat dinner. He's like, just ate here. <laughs> and no, my wife's like, no, you don't understand. He's looking to go to, you know, a steakhouse or, yeah. or yeah. an Italian restaurant and take everybody out with them and having a, appetizers and meals and dessert and after dinner drinks. And that right. was my life. Uh, I know it's our culture. And, and, and here's the thing right, that's shocking. Now, so when, when you get back to real nutrient density, you start having, you know, 
sardines or some sort of high quality seafood at lunch and, you know, maybe some organ meats and a steak or whatever at dinner. And, and you really focus on nutrient density. What's shocking to me is how little food I need to eat to both be satisfied and have all the energy I need. I, I look at the amount of food well, I, I eat sometimes yes. and think, how, how can I survive on that little bit of food? Well, this is why I told this story, because fast forward now to where I am, where I was in that picture and, and going forward. There have been multiple days, multiple days where I had my, my NDK coffee in the morning with the, with the coconut oil, the butter, the brain octane, the collagen. Yeah. And that was it for the rest of the day. Maybe a, bo- maybe a cup of bone broth if it was the winter time or something, but I didn't eat for 24 hours and, and I couldn't believe it. I, it I know. It's still shocking to even say that. Yeah. And it, not because and, I was trying to fast, just because I wasn't hungry. Right. And, and think back, I think back to this, you know, we, when, when I used to be involved in the, uh, you know, the traditional sick care system, um, it seems like every time right. they want you to test something, you have to fast. And I used to just like panic, yeah. like, what do you mean I can't eat for 15 hours or whatever? And then, you know, you'd suffer through that and it was just miserable. And what would I do for right. the next two or three days? I would gorge myself. Yes. yes. Now, well, if I, if I have a day I where have, I, I barely yeah. eat, I might have two or three more after it where I hardly eat. It's just not a big deal anymore. Yes. Right. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I, I forget what it was, maybe about a year ago or something. I, I got some blood testing done and the girl's like, you know, you're going to have to fast, you know, but you could probably eat up to like eight, nine o'clock. It's OK. And I'm like, oh, it's OK. It, you yeah. know, like she was trying to. You I know, know right. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's what she has to deal with every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, you know, honey, I, I don't eat. I don't eat from six o'clock to sometimes one, a, two o'clock the next day. On a normal day, right? This is no big deal. Yeah. On a normal day. Yeah. All right. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, Fred, gotta cut you so, loose. The the calls are they just keep coming, uh, which is awesome. We're gonna go to Pennsylvania. Kurt, welcome. Yeah, man, thank you so much. And uh, it kind of the conversation there with Fred just a moment ago is uh, kind of makes me think about the people that complain about the uh, the cost of eating a nutrient dense when the volume of food uh, once you get there is so dramatically reduced that it's uh, like a food budget of less than a hundred dollars for a week is fully normal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know that that so, is. Uh, you know, we always talk about the struggle of how do we help other people do this? You know, how do we convince them that you really do want to live like this? Um, it's one of the biggest challenges we face, and I think it's just our human nature. We find something that, that makes us so happy and makes us feel so much better, and we want to share it with people, and it's the hardest part about this. And trying to convince people that you're going to eat a lot less I almost think works against it. I think people panic. Like they think, oh, he, he's telling me I have to eat less and I'm going to be hungry all the time. And then I try to convince them, no, look, I, I tell people all the time, when you're hungry, just eat. 
you're just going to find that you're not hungry all the time. But I think they panic. I don't think they can imagine not eating that volume of food. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, and you're right on that in regards to, especially with family, trying to express all that stuff. And then I hear about the story they, the doctors are telling them, and I just shake my head. I'm not a doctor. So, I don't play one anywhere in life, but I sure as heck know that this is a much better. I feel better at so, 53 now oh, than... Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible, and it's so consistent, story after story after story, and now we have so much history when somebody tries to claim, well, that keto and carnivore thing might work, but it's not sustainable. Bullshit, it's the most sustainable diet you will ever experience, and we can prove that now because we've had people that have been doing it for years and nobody feels like they're deprived of anything. You know, I, I did a, a special episode this morning, a recording. I said I, there were so many, a couple of headlines. I just didn't want to write about it. So I just put on my headphones and recorded it. One of them, and I'll just give you a quick preview because you, you should go listen to it. Um, I saw a post this morning about a woman who is a biochemist. And she calls herself the, gluco god, the, the glucose goddess. And she wore a continuous glucose monitor, something I've been recommending for a long time. I've been wearing them on and off for a couple of years. You really learn a lot. Well, she took this to try to help people figure out what to eat. Great. So, but I start reading it and I'm thinking, oh, something's not right here. She had just enough information to almost make you think she was on the right track. Because she talked about, you know, you should give up some carbohydrate. Well, she didn't even say carbohydrates. She said processed foods. Now, I'm okay with that. Can't argue with that advice. You should probably, most people should probably be adding some more protein to their diet. Yeah, we could debate that. But if you're heavy carbohydrate, then protein's a, a much better solution. And then she even said, and you should eat good fats, like an avocado and, you know, some olive oil. And I'm like, well, you know, she's on the right track. Except she's not not even close. Her example of what she learned with her glucose monitor, here was one of her examples. Um, and in the picture, she shows a, a big old large serving of fast food French fries. And she tests her glucose after eating the fast food French fries and she gets a big glucose spike. No shock there. Her, her fix was Oh, well, get a side salad first and eat that first, then eat the big serving of French fries and watch my glucose didn't spike as much. <laughs> and get this, she has a million Instagram followers. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get a lot of it. I guess, uh, I guess it's uh, drinking the Kool-Aid on both sides. So, uh, oh. whatever works. Yeah. Well, it, it's, I, I, have, I uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I have the ability to get a million Instagram followers if I really worked at it. I don't, but I, I don't think I would ever get anywhere near that because of the advice I give. It's a whole lot easier to get somebody to follow you when you say, hey, look, you can keep eating the French fries. Just make sure you have a side salad first. Right, right. hundred uh, percent, yeah. Um, I, my main reason for my call. So uh, 
quick, long story. I started out 15 years ago, jumped right in, got my own authority after getting my own uh, CDL. Okay. Um, and uh, found out pretty quickly about, I, I had already been running businesses my entire life like you. That helps and a so lot. And so I found out pretty quickly that this was not a... Yeah, this was this was not making me the money. It was giving me what I wanted. And frankly, you asked before about what was the reason. The reason was I needed a break from my other business, which frankly pays me eighty percent of my most of my income. Got it. So then I uh, I, I changed I changed that setup. I leased on with a very good company that was very happy with them. And just because of changes in my other business and life, I I pretty much have, I was off as of earlier this late this spring this year so i still have this equipment i have two trucks that are virtually they're all pre-emission they're volvos you're you're the trucks you talked about right okay and i have one trailer i've done i've done specialized i've done it all but when i look at the numbers i back up to a dock they load it i close the doors i drive less deadhead all that jazz. so that's why i went that way right here we are right now in today's world my future for the truck was always it was going to be my future retirement job. Okay. I could drive, I don't know, 40,000, 50,000 miles a year. Yeah. And I would be happy. Well, okay, so here we are today. My other business is taking me probably now into a majority of my time. I'm not driving. I don't have my authority. I have this equipment. I could foresee the possibility of three to five years down the road going and either doing a lease on again or doing my own authority. So let's just, I'm I'm throwing a number up on the wall. I got $100,000 worth of equipment. I could sell it today and get real cash, put it in my pocket. Five years from now, who knows what prices are going to be. I can come back and buy a truck anytime, just like a house on every corner. So all this being said, I have this hard time because I have what I have been fighting for. And over the years, I've built this equipment side of life. And I'm not going to use it. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking from the standpoint of all of that data. What do you think? What's your opinion? Um, my opinion right now, well, I'll... Uh I'll just say this first, although we can't change this. Um, if you would have called me six months ago, this would have even been a better answer. I would have sold all the equipment in a heartbeat. I still think you can probably sell it for a really good price compared to what you know we normally have to get equip get out of older equipment. So that to me, um, you know, we could talk about a couple things here. It, it sounds to me like you're you're pretty financially set and you don't ever really worry about, you know, paying the bills or putting food on the table. Right. So the, the, the good thing about a question like this, in my mind, there's no wrong answer. There's there's no big risk here, no matter what you do. So there's no wrong answer to this. There might be one answer that's righter than the other. Um, but that's probably more just, you know, personal feeling and preference. And, and so a lot of times on a question like this, I, I just answer it is in what would I do in this situation? It's the only way I know how to answer questions like this. There's no math that we can apply to this that's going to make any real sense. Um, 
there's too many unknowns about what our price is going to be now. And But the statement you made, um, at any time in the last 35 years I've been doing this, there wasn't a single day that I couldn't have walked onto a lot, bought a truck that day, and be making revenue within seven days. I mean, that, that, that's just, it's just right. that easy. So for me, um, no matter how financially set I am, going into an unknown economy like we're going into, I would be liquidating stuff and turning it into cash. That's been my head 100% all along. And uh, I appreciate your input. And it's uh, the, 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 the uh, enjoyment of the driving, which I'm actually doing in a coach right now, that's another part of my life. I just, I don't, you know, there's no agenda on this trip. Exactly. Whereas obviously, if you're hauling I, something, there is. So, I, I, well, you just touched I, on a, a really key point for me. Um, I have got to get back to that time when Lisa and I would just take off in the coach with no agenda. Um, I let that kind of turn into we're only using the coach when there is an agenda. I've got a meeting I have to get to. I have three vendors I want to go spend time with. I've got a speaking engagement somewhere. And I still enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it nearly as much as the three years we spent full time where it was fun to wake up in the morning and open the map and close your eyes and point and say, okay, we're going to go there today. Uh, or we're going to start heading that way or, you know, finding a place and saying, holy cow, I really want to spend a couple months here. So let's just hang out for a while. I, I've got to get back to that. Um, I, I just talked to the, the, my coaches in the shop getting everything redone and I, I'm kind of pushing them. I want that thing out by the first week in January. And it's because I just, I have right. a lot of things I want to go do, but I don't want to be rushed. I don't want to be on an agenda. I want to be able to take off and say, yeah, I know I need to be, you know, in Louisville by the end of March and it's January. Um, right. And there are a couple, you know, I want to stop down in Arizona and see Dr. Wolfson and, and, you know, stop in and say hi to Larry Winget and, you know, I, I have a new company that I've been trying to build a partnership with. Maybe we'll swing by there and meet somebody. But I don't want to be on a schedule. Yeah, and so the next thing that comes to my mind is, and that is a beautiful way to travel, if you ask oh, me. Uh, but I, the other side is that you're, you're doing it on a uh, schedule, but you're so, making money, right? So uh, can in I, your scenario, you do a little bit of both. Yeah, so can I tie your question into, because I posted on the both websites this morning, today's Ask Me Anything, and um, so people started posting the questions on there. I didn't even think that they would do that. I just thought they would call me. It, one of the questions somebody posted, which I thought was a great question, um, he basically asked me, what makes you really happy in life? And I just described it. I love driving. I yeah. love traveling. I love going. There's so many cool places in the country. I've been to almost all of them at least once, and I want to go back to so many of them. But I don't want to be on a schedule when I do it. I want to say, hey, you know, we're, we're hanging right. out in Napa. 
and the weather's beautiful and I want to stay a couple more weeks. So we're going to, and, and if I could think of what makes me really happy and still having a purpose while I'm on the road, I'm not just wandering around, you know, enjoying everything. I'm doing a lot of that, but I still, I want to do the show. I mean, I, I love this part of my life doing the show, especially now. I mean, our new format is just fantastic right. for me. So it, to answer um, Joseph's question on, on the website, that's what makes me really happy, being able to travel and work like that with very little restrictions on my time. Yeah, that's what my other business gives me, different than yours very much so. But I can, uh, because of technology, I can do what you're doing. You know, I can be wherever yeah. still do my that that that's such an amazing so. thing to go out and park the coach out in you know um, out in the desert outside of Moab and just hang out there and still work. Hundred percent, right with you there, my friend. Uh, so with that, next part comes to mind is that okay? Now I have what I would consider not that I'm an incubator and I don't want to be. But I have trucks that are, I have two trucks and a trailer that are, are valuable to somebody that is either starting out, is is okay with having your own authority and not some crazy person asking, well, you got to have a 2015 or newer yeah. something. What's, what, what's the best, what is the, what is the best way to quote unquote pass it on? Without, you know, not, I, I don't, I realize there's an open market. I realize there's the, the truck trader and all that shit, yeah. So, I mean, that's an obvious answer, but... Yeah, so so what we're... Let's kind of clarify the question. Do we just want to throw this thing out in the market and sell it and be done with it because that's an option? Um, or do you want to do something slightly different, maybe help somebody out and get somebody started? Uh, this is probably... Oh, the, uh, hold, hold, let me clarify. Let me, let me, okay. Hold on, let me clarify. I'm not a finance. I'm not a finance guy. I'm not a partnership. It's the only kind of ship that does not sail, and <laughs> yeah. that's a partnership. 100%. Yeah. So I'm just saying, of, you know, if there's a bunch of people that are in a room and they and they are a general, in, their tri- in the tribe, right, of the trucks that I've learned and experienced, and, and why am I so attached to these things? Because they're built. To the point where, yeah, these things. I, okay, listen, so I was I, at a truck. I was at the truck show. Met you a couple five years ago. Talking to a guy who a uh, of these big dealerships in, in, insulted me by telling me I wasn't getting nine plus all the time. The guy said, "You're insane. There's no possible way." Okay, okay. Uh, My math shows it. Right. Anyway, so yeah. it, it's that. So, I'm not talking about passing it on and helping it. financially. Got it. So you just helped. I, I was almost starting the sentence that you may have just asked me the most difficult question I'm going to get today, but you clarified it, made it much easier. Um, yes, the idea of finding somebody in the tribe that understands that truck. And, and is looking for that kind of truck. Absolutely, I would try to do that on things like Twitter and Facebook and both of our websites. Um, you know, we don't have, you know, a formal section where people buy and sell stuff, but we have no problem with somebody posting a truck up there for sale or equipment for sale. You just go ahead and do it um, and, and use the other social media. What I would be very careful of is how you 
kind of couch that question. My first thought, the way you described it, was you really wanted to kind of hold somebody's hand and be a mentor and, you know, really be a part of getting them started. And I, I, I'm hearing now that that's not what you meant. So just be careful how you say it. And I wouldn't do that other yeah. thing because there, that is a really, really difficult thing to do and do properly. And it could take a lot of your time and you could still end up failing. Yeah, time is, I don't, I don't, time is more valuable than ever before in my life. And I it, want to use it in the best way I want to. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I have to improve in, in the way I live my life and work, and, and this is really hard for me to even say, but I, I think I'm at the point in my life where I have to do this. Um, and I'm, I'm actually taking a course right now with, with Dave Asprey. And this was, I didn't know this was going to be there. It was like the first lesson on how to say no. I, I've got to start saying no well, more. Yeah. And it's so hard for me. You know, like I just said, I haven't taken a day off in almost a month because I'm excited about all kinds of new projects. And, and just when I think I can't possibly squeeze one more thing in, I come up with some other goofy idea. And at some point, I've, I've got to really prioritize and, and say no more often. Well, I got—I—I was pretty good the last three years. I've been very, very good about saying no up good. until this summer, and for whatever reason, and a change <laughs> of uh, change of economy, really. And I started saying yes to more things that were more of a. And then they, yeah, they were paying me money, and I started saying yes. And the problem is, this is the latest stopping of my regular business season that I've had in multiple years. And, I, and I'm blaming myself. It's because I just, okay, sure. Okay, right, sure. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's... And, and uh, anyway, so uh, it, is a, it is a great uh, muscle to uh, learn. Again, yeah. For anyone. I think it's multiple times. So, uh, uh, Kevin, once again, I appreciate you so much. And uh, thanks for what you do. You're welcome. You You're welcome. Good to talk to you. Let's go to Missouri. Eric, welcome to the program. Oh, yeah, so I got a lot, and uh, it seems like your phone's probably going to ring till about 5 o'clock tonight uh, with, with this topic. <laughs> um, I, I might at some point just I say no. To... <laughs> well, that's good practice for you. That's right. So um, there, I want to comment on uh, the guy that was uh, talking about the gear ratios and, and all that earlier. There's one more really, really big advantage of having a high gear ratio, uh, and that is the higher the gear ratio you go, the closer together your RPM stays. That is a ships. good point. Um, I've got and a, that is that, that is huge. That is a really good point. We never used to focus on that much because we used to talk about you know, maybe three different gear ratios. You know, there was a time where 336 was really fast and we were still running 370s on a lot of trucks. So there wasn't enough difference in there to even notice stuff like that. But now when we have trucks on the road still running 390s, pretty rare, but they're still out there. And we're talking about stuff like 207s or 217s or that becomes very, very um, 
predominant in that you notice that those steps get a lot smaller. Now, trying to explain that, um, it, it's just one of those things that it's better to just trust us. It's absolute. It's real. You can go calculate it, but it, it gets kind of confusing, actually. Um, but that's a real thing. That's a really good point. Oh, yeah. When you go from, uh, like, 342s, like my Kenworth had, and you go to 247s like this truck has, uh, it, it's it's a really, really big difference. And this truck outpulls the Kenworth before I put the tune on it, uh, hands down. I mean, this, this truck will pull, uh, this thing pulls on par with a, uh, probably a, a 600 horse truck. Yeah. Yeah, that feels good. You know, oh, the, I love it. The the two concepts both Joel and John have have kind of brought to our attention that we really never talked about much, um, and they're both really important once you understand them. Piston speed, something we never used to talk about, and this issue of how that rear end ratio changes the steps in the transmission. Yeah, since you brought him up, uh, my fuel economy has, uh, my 90-day average has gone down to 8.32. Uh, so I just got a message for Joel, and I know he's listening. Uh, he can still kiss <laughs> <laughs> uh, They're They're so, both... They're both going to be here tomorrow, as of right now. Anyway, things change, so, but they're they're both going to be here tomorrow. Uh, oh, hey, you know what? I I, I just did realize something. Uh, I'm going to finish your call. I'm going to take one more. Um, I have to remember that um, Mike and Kevin Beckett come on the air at ten uh, for Rolling Toe, and here I am just blabbing away. Oh, that's, so. yeah, that's, you got you got 45 minutes to get that all set up. Oh no! I'll be quick. No, no, um, I'm 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 twelve minutes late. Ten o'clock on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, they're they're that they just sent oh. me a text message. They're standing by waiting to go live. I did this to them last week too. All right, then I'll be I'll I'll be quick. So you've got that racing game that you play on your uh, what is it Xbox? You've got yes. Uh, how do you like that? What Abs- game is it? Uh, you know what. I have not played since last winter or spring, early spring, because all summer long, um, I, I just put it away. Now, I took it on the trip with me and the coach, and I played it a couple times. Just never really had time. And then all summer long, I knew I wasn't going to play. Um, I haven't set it back up yet. I, it, it's on my list, and I'm actually, before I set it up this time, I'm going to go get one of the race chairs. You know, where it's got, you can mount the monitor right on it and you can have your gear shifter and your pedals. And, and I, I'm going to go get one of those. The, what is the name of the game? Um, I'm just drawing a total blank, but I love it. I, I am blown away by how accurate it is, how technical it is. You can go in and change the angle of your tires and the the suspension geometry. You can go in and do everything you do to an engine in the real world. You can do it in this game. And, and it's, it's, is it Forza? Yeah. Say that again. Forza. Yeah. The, the, the newest version of Forza. Yeah. That is a great game. Oh, it's incredible. And, and you notice the difference when you drive the car. Oh yeah. It's huge. 
I've got a game on the PS4 that I play when I get to the house, and I think I'm going to end up throwing it in the truck here so that I can so that I can play it here in the truck. Uh, it actually has a cord that plugs into a guitar, and you use a real guitar, and it, and, and it teaches you the real song. Do they have one like that for... I need to find something like that for piano. I have always wanted to learn how to play the piano. I love piano music, and I I know there are systems out there, and I, I should just find some time, and I should make that one of my winter hobbies as well. When I can't get out and wing foil and garden, I should be either playing the Xbox or learning how to play a piano. They do have one for a piano that will hook up to your... Like a uh, keyboard. Um, like MacBook. Yeah, oh, okay. your MacBook. Yeah, and, you know, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd even be willing to go buy, like, an electronic keyboard and, and all of that. I, I just want to find the right system. And, and honestly, I, I don't even care if it teaches me all about, you know, reading music and all that other stuff. I just want to learn how to play. You know, the, one of the uh, places I used to love to go to when we were in Central Florida, it's a place called Jelly Rolls. And it's a dueling piano bar. And they have two big grand pianos up on the stage <laughs> facing each other. And then they have two piano players. And the audience either shouts out requests or you write it on your napkin and you, you know, roll it up with a $5 bill and you throw it at them or you go up. And, and these guys play everything from memory. No music in front of them. And they are just incredible. That's how I want to learn how to play. Just from from just well, because how, I can sit down yeah, and, and play. Got, yeah, that's why I got Rocksmith. Rocksmith doesn't actually teach you uh, music, but uh, you can learn tablature from it. So it's like a it's like a rolling tablature. Got it. And I think it's the I think keyboard. Uh oh, Eric, you are. Breaking up, and now I think you are. You. Oh, you're back. Uh, it, it's. I'm not. I'll email you what it is. But uh, yeah, it, it. I think it actually teaches you uh, uh, music theory when you're when you're playing it. But you jump right into playing. That's it. what not, I want to uh, do. I don't mind learning like that theory. other stuff, but I don't want to go do the traditional music lesson where I've got to learn how to read music and play all the scales before I can move on. I don't want to do it that way. I just, I want to learn how to play, and if I learn all the other stuff along the way or later on, that'd be great. Um, so. I am going to cut you loose. The other cool thing about Jelly Rolls, um, Bruce Williams was the owner, him and his son, and his son is one of the piano players there in Orlando. Uh-oh, and we lost Eric. Um, he's there, but I'm not hearing him. I believe there's a Jelly Rolls in Texas somewhere, too. I think there were two of them. But the one in Orlando, um, last time I was there, um, Bruce Williams, he's dead now, but his son uh, owns it and was still one of the piano players there. He's really good, too. Um, let's go real quick to Oklahoma. Paul, you get the last word today. Okay, I'll keep it short. See, the Beckett's are waiting patiently. They are. Um, when, it comes, when it comes to, this is my opinion, when it comes to having a gun, I just refer to the Constitution, right to bear arms. It seems pretty and, uh, straightforward to me. 
Yeah. And then the, an update on that accident, the BMW I hit. Yeah. And I don't care that I recorded them secretly, <laughs> but yeah, it appears that it appears it appears they're not getting an ambulance chasing lawyer. They just want their car fixed. Oh, that's but good. It needs a new door. It needs a new door. And apparently, because it's a BMW certified repair, it needs a new rear quarter. So it's about nine thousand dollars worth of damage. And then they want a rental car for about four weeks. So it's probably about twelve thousand dollars worth, but wow! It went to the insurance, and uh, that sound I heard was my deductible disappearing out of my wallet. So. <laughs> That's right. You know that is. The, I, yeah. I think I mentioned something. You know the the other day about you see these cars that get in these crashes now, and the cars are absolutely just destroyed. You look at it and you go, "What the hell yeah. happened to that thing?" And everybody walks away. I mean, we have done amazing things, but creating that kind of, you know, driver cage there that's that's so protective. And part of that is allowing the car to be destroyed. That That's kind of what absorbs all the energy. Yeah. Um, and it does keep us much yeah, well, safer. But boy, the, the cost of fixing these things now is insane. Yeah, well, uh, the car is... 10 years old, roughly, but just my opinion yet again, I, I don't think that it really needs the, the full quarter panel to be replaced, but I'm not the guy that's saying, yes, it does, or no, it doesn't, but it, life continues. But Well, you know, who used yeah. to, you know, who used to really, really clamp down on that stuff were the insurance companies. They were the ones that would go in and yeah, say, well, no, you're not going to replace that whole panel. You're going to repair it. That just doesn't seem to happen much anymore. Yeah. So, and then one other question. Uh, oh, no, two others. This Sirius, when you were first on Sirius XM and your show would get preempted? Yeah. Uh, I listened on the XM side. So occasionally the Sirius side would get preempted and the XM would be on or be the other way right. around. I know. It was... Well, I used to call into Sirius, Sirius XM and I used to bitch and complain that I said, this is the best show on this channel and it's a live show. On a weekend. And there's plenty other sports. Right. Yeah, and there's plenty other sports channels. Stick it on that and I or, used to bitch and complain. To or them. replays. Yeah. Because it was the weekend, yeah. most of the shows were replays of stuff that had already played during the week. I was one of the few live shows on the weekends. Not just on our channel, but on yeah, all channels. Live, <laughs> and it was goofy. Yeah, it, and yours. Everything it, else yeah, yeah, sometimes they'd say, well, you're live on Sirius, but not on XM. Well, that's okay. There's people listening. I'll do the show. But that one day when they told me, you're preempted on both. And I said, well, I'm not doing the show then. I'm not starting. Call me when it's time. Oh, no, you have to go live because of the, the, um, the internet stream. And I said, nobody listens to that. Well, they might be. And I said, yeah. look, guys, I I'm not going live right now. Um, that was one of the first big fights I got in. I got uh, within like 15 minutes, I got a call from the vice president of talk programming, who still is the vice, vice president of talk programming. He's the guy that canceled me. But way back then, that was my first interaction with him because he was on the serious side and I had come from XM. He called me and he said, what the hell do you think you're doing? And I said, I'm sitting here waiting to go live. You, you need to be on the air right now. And I said, no, I don't. It's a talk yeah. show, a call-in talk show. Nobody's calling in. 
There's an internet stream. I said, call me when it's time to go live. So that was what kind of started the whole lousy relationship with Sirius, and then it ended when they canceled me. Same guy, too. 15 years. Yeah, well, I I can remember, like, on those Saturday or Sunday shows when you'd get preempted, occasionally Lisa would call me. Yeah. I need some callers. Uh, exactly. Anything to talk about? I know. Or I'd, or I'd call uh, twice, in the, twice on the same show. So, it, right. You know. Yeah, exactly. So, so, one other thing. All right. What kind of tape should we tape our pie hole shot with <laughs> at uh, night? Gorilla tape. I think that's going to hurt when it comes off. <laughs> Man up. I'll just stick to and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Man up. Put on your big I'm boy panties. You told me to man up. <laughs> I still got my short pants on. It's cold. So. Go, go, yeah. check your okay. te- go check your testosterone levels. It's all good. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, I'd like to keep going, but uh, we're going to wrap this up because... Mike and Kevin Beckett want to come on here and talk about important stuff. So uh, this takes us less than about five minutes to make this transition. I will close out this show. Um, Within five minutes, they'll be live. Calls will be open. Call them. Um, Remember, it is a call-in talk show. Always better when we have calls. So get ready, and uh, in about five minutes or so, call them. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.